Tuesday, the 28th of November. Let's begin by praying a prayer, a blessing that Paul prays over the Ephesians in chapter 1 of his letter to them. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect in the fullness of time, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, Christ. Amen. I think that's one sentence. That's how Paul writes. But we are glad you are along here on the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network, however you happen to be listening across affiliates and streams and apps and the like. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. We'll talk to Father Boniface Hicks, get more thoughts on personal prayer and reflecting on our sinfulness in prayer. This is part of the conversation, right? Unfortunately. Marlon De La Torre will join us as well from the Diocese of Columbus. We'll get Advent resources from Father Frank Donio at the Catholic Apostolate Center. And then Dr. Benjamin Lewis from the International Commission on English and the Liturgy has uh, kind of an interesting thing to point out from the collect that we heard at Mass for Christ the King Sunday. Uh, A lot of you heard it in English. Some of you maybe heard it in Latin. He'll talk a little bit about something that happens in the Latin that's kind of hard to translate into English. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Pope Francis continues to recover from flu-like symptoms over the weekend. The Holy See Press Director Matteo Bruni said yesterday... The Holy Father has no fever and is in a good, stable condition. He said in order to facilitate the Pope's recovery, some important engagements scheduled for the next few days have been postponed so that he can devote the necessary time and energy to them. The Holy Father did meet yesterday with the president of Paraguay and Vatican News reports the two focused on a number of issues of common interest, including peace, environmental issues and fighting poverty. Israel and Hamas are agreeing to pause fighting for another two days. Trey Thomas reports. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters Hamas has agreed to release another 20 hostages over that time. This humanitarian pause has already brought a halt to the fighting together with a surge of humanitarian assistance. Kirby said he believes less than 10 Americans are still being held by the militant group. The White House is calling for a longer pause to allow the release of all hostages. I'm Trey Thomas. The custos of the Holy Land has applied the ceasefire and stressed that the reconciliation that reconciliation requires recognizing the suffering of others 
From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. In the interview, Father Patton expressed his hope that the truce may continue to hold and that all the hostages held by Hamas may be released, underscoring the important role played by the international community, especially of the countries that mediated the agreement. He noted that the truce shows that a path other than that of weapons is possible if the will is there. The Custis went on to note that in the dramatic context of the war, the humanitarian aspect is essential. Without the comforting humanitarian voice, he said, we cannot move forward because everything is reduced to political calculation and the use of violence. Asked about the role of Christians in the conflict, Father Patton said they represent a bridge between Israelis and Palestinians and can propose a path not only of moderation but also towards a future reconciliation. He insisted that the important thing at the moment is that the truce holds also to allow the various international actors to continue working so as to move from a truce to an armistice and then to a lasting political solution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Deve esserci da parte di entrambi il riconoscimento del diritto all'esistenza dell'altro. There must be a solution that recognizes the right to existence of both peoples, in which each part recognizes the suffering of the other and also the dignity of that suffering, he said. Father Patton stressed the need for the international community and the world powers to support dialogue and accompany both Israeli and Palestinian political leaders to progressively change their approach. I am Lisa Zengarini. Around 100 million people on the East Coast are set to face freezing temperatures as a cold front hits the region today and tomorrow. The National Weather Service says high temperatures are expected to be as much as 20 degrees below average in parts of the Midwest, Great Lakes, and Ohio Valley, as well as areas of the East Coast. Parts of Texas and Florida are expected to be colder as well. Freezing temperatures in the 20s are expected in New York City, with Washington, D.C. and Atlanta getting below freezing temperatures for the first time this year. Former First Lady Rosalind Carter is lying in repose at the Jimmy Carter Presidential Library in Atlanta. The family has invited members of the public to pay their respects. Former President Jimmy Carter is planning to attend the memorial service for his wife tomorrow. He's reportedly in Atlanta after traveling from his hospice care to take part. President Biden and First Lady Jill Biden will also be attending the service. Rosalind Carter passed away at the age of 96. And Merriam-Webster's 2023 Word of the Year, authentic. The online dictionary said this year saw a substantial increase in searches for this word. It attributes that to more stories and conversations about AI, celebrity culture, identity, and social media. The announcement on Merriam-Webster's website says authentic has several meetings, including, quote, not false or imitation, and quote, true to one's own personality, spirit, or character. Matt, your thoughts? Uh, well, first of all, I, I can absolutely affirm that in a world full of AI, people are absolutely looking for what's authentic. Or mm-hmm. in a world where perhaps you wonder if somebody's saying something a certain way because they want you to click or they're trying to sell you something, mm-hmm. it matters to be an authentic person. Isn't it nice that this is like 
Yeah. I thought it was like going to be there's... some like weird uh, internet word. No. I mean, this is a good sign, I think. I was I saw something on the uh, the internet recently because sometimes I uh, I look at the internet for sometimes research you do. On, yeah. on this program, and somebody says, you know, oh, there's this person that I don't recognize. They're a celebrity. Is this a new singer? And you know, the twelve year old in the room is like, no, that guy has a Bob stream on Twoozle. You know what? He's a he games and you know like the the people who are famous now are famous for things I've never even heard of. I'm glad the word authentic is our yeah. is our word this year. Keep searching for authenticity, kids. Indeed. Indeed. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Boniface Hicks, and he joins us from the Abbey in Pennsylvania, where he and many other monks are uh, praying for us and the church and the world all day, every day. Father, good morning. Oh, do we have good morning, Matt. Great to be with you. Oh, good to have you. Uh, I wanted to talk today uh, because towards the end of your book, you you discuss this question of of uh, you know praying without ceasing, as we talked last time, but also this concept of sin being always before us. Now, that's actually a quote, right, from the scriptures. My sin is always before me. This is something that I think a lot of us think about. But what's the difference between having our sin always before us and being scrupulous? Yeah, that's a, it's an important distinction. It's uh, as the the scripture Psalm fifty one uh, speaks about. My sin is always before me. That's of course uh, David's miserere, his uh, his expression of his own misery, which he's able to speak out, of course, because he's really encountered God's mercy, as we know very well in his radical sin. He also has radical repentance, but he's just so very aware of. Uh, how broken he is, and how deeply he is in need of God's mercy. Scrupulosity has a way of uh, focusing on my sin as a, a form of perfectionism, a fixation on uh, sin as if I could overcome it on my own and finally be rid of it, whereas the expression of that verse of the psalm is more about the constant awareness or the, uh, the constant need that we have of God's mercy just knowing how on my own I, I can break the whole thing, I can blow up the whole thing, how, uh, how deeply I need him to be with me at all times. Uh, I always love the, uh, the post-communion prayer of Padre Pio, Stay with me, Lord. Uh, you know how easily I forget you. And it's that kind of uh, awareness of our weakness, of our limitation, of our, of our brokenness, and that's, uh, that's also expressed itself in actual sinful behaviors in, uh, in our lives so many times. But it's that, that constant need of God's mercy. So it's, uh, scrupulosity has really become self-centered and, and pulls us into ourselves. This expression of knowing our sin always draws us into relationship, places us uh, with, with arms open, hands open, and arms outstretched towards the only one who can really carry us through this. Well, it is amazing to me how many ways there are to get this relationship with God and our sin being before us wrong, right? <laughs> there are, uh, you know, perhaps some who would say, well, there's no sin, there's just 
uh, you feeling bad for things that you shouldn't really feel bad about, right? And you should just sort of move on and accept and love yourself. Well, you know, in some ways, yes, but in some ways, there are things that you've done that you probably should not have done and should not continue to do. And then, of course, you've also got uh, a more um, Calvinist total depravity mindset, which is just you are rotten to the absolute core, no matter what you do, no matter how many times you ask for forgiveness, it's just snow on a dunghill, right? And the only way you're squeaking into heaven is if Jesus blocks God's sight while you sneak in the door. I mean, that's an oversimplification, but, uh, but in, you know, there, there is a balance that the church strikes here between realizing our sin, realizing our need for mercy, and, and realizing that God really does do something to us, to regenerate us when we bring those things to him. That's right. I, I think to, to really hold on to the dimension of relationship, which is, I think the Calvinist approach turns into a kind of transactional, you know, uh, Jesus sort of whitewashes people on the way by. He doesn't actually develop a relationship with them. But the, the Church's sense is really that, uh, in, that, it's a, that it's relational, that my arms are outstretched, that He takes a hold of them, that we embrace each other, that we gaze upon each other face to face, that he doesn't, that Jesus doesn't let our sin interfere with, but actually even become a pathway towards a deeper communion with himself, insofar as we don't hide those things like Adam in the garden, uh, and we bring them out before him, then he can deal with those things and bring healing and transformation to us, and then that which separated us actually comes to bond us more tightly together. I was like the image of two people being tied together by a rope, and then sin is like cutting the rope. But then reconciliation is like tying the rope together, and now it's shorter than before, and the two people are closer than they were before. And that's what Jesus is doing with us. And so our awareness of that rope, which has been uh, cut and repaired so many times, is, uh, is part of the, the Catholic approach to understanding my sin is always before me. And that is to say, divine mercy is always before me. And that is to say, reconciliation and deeper communion, which is a pure gift, is always before me. And, and that's already the beginning of heaven in a, in a real way. Yeah, I've heard uh, lots of rope-like analogies. I've heard one with like a lot of different strings attaching you to God. And when you cut you know, lots and lots of them, and sometimes when you're looking to someone who's in need of mercy, you've got to find the one thread that they've still got attached, <laughs> you know, and figure that, <laughs> use that as yeah. a way to figure out how to help them uh, seek reattachment on the others. Uh, but, you know, lastly, before we let you go, I wonder if you could just briefly mention the Jesus Prayer and how it taps into this. Yeah, the, the Jesus Prayer, uh, which is especially celebrated in the Christian East, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Uh, mentions, of course, and, and we, you know, we would pray this even thousands of times a day, potentially, uh, certainly a hundred times, you know, at some point in the day. Uh, we're, we're saying over and over again that we're a sinner, although we're, we're also putting God's mercy right next to that. Have mercy on me, a sinner. I'm constantly aware of my need for His mercy because I'm constantly aware of my, uh, my, my own sin the ways that I have sinned, the ways that I can sin, and the ways that I'm always inclined in that direction, but that I can hold on to Him in the midst of that. And that's the real hope and beauty that's expressed in that prayer. Yeah, uh, so 
I mean, it's a it's a, a wonderful reflection too for people who feel far away or feel like maybe they're flipping through the channels listening to this and thinking I'm, I should go back to church, but you know I'm a terrible person. They'll never let me in there. Just so you know, they let the rest of us in. So, uh, <laughs> amen. <laughs> come on back and fall upon the mercy of God. He wants to He wants to uh, bring that mercy to you. So. The book is called Personal Prayer, A Guide for Receiving the Father's Love. Father Boniface Hicks, thank you as always. We've got your book linked in the show notes. Have a wonderful day. You too, Matt. Thanks so much. All right, we're back with headlines right after this. It's 16 past. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. One time somebody said to me, why don't you air these people? And I said, no, because I don't think they're Catholic. He says, by what right do you have to say that? I said, I own the network. (laughs) Mother Angelica Live Classics. Tonight, 8 Eastern on EWTN Television and Radio. 18 past, here's Anna with headlines. Israel and Hamas are agreeing to a pause in fighting for another two days. Pope Francis continues to recover from flu-like symptoms over the weekend and is keeping a more limited schedule until then. And a Catholic priest and missionary in Mali has been released after a year of being held hostage by Al-Qaeda-linked militants. Praise God for that. I know, right? So uh, this is uh, this is something we continue to keep before you. You know, and this is something that you don't hear about on other media outlets. Uh, these constant stories from around the world of the persecuted church in places like uh, China and Nicaragua and, of course, Nigeria, which is right at the top of the list. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way that the church in the Holy Land is trying to give aid in the Israel-Gaza Conflict and all these things that are going on. Uh, there are like unique... hundreds of people that are crowded into the one Catholic church in Gaza. It's, They're trapped it's there. They have no homes. Gaza has been completely destroyed, and these what, Christians are are packed into this parish, this one parish. 
well, there are things happening all over the world that we have a unique opportunity to be able to share and talk about here on Catholic Radio, here on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're grateful to EWTN for the opportunity. We're grateful for your local Catholic Radio affiliate for the opportunity. And I know that a whole bunch of people have their hands out today. Like, I've gotten... Oh, yeah, it's Giving 700, Tuesday. <laughs> 700 emails from various nonprofits <laughs> this morning. Uh, but I do uh, encourage you, in the mix of all of that... I know there's so many incredible, great groups doing awesome work. You hear about uh, a lot of them here on the Sunrise Morning Show. We highlight show. a lot of them here. Yeah. Uh, but please do consider your local Catholic radio station uh, in your giving on Giving Tuesday. Please consider the Sunrise Morning Show. We're a product of a local Catholic radio station. We're listener-supported. You can give to us at sunrisemorningshow.com. Click on the Donate button. And don't forget... That uh, the reason it gets to your affiliate from here to there is EWTN, and I know they'd appreciate your support as well. So, thanks for that. Yeah, happy That's Giving Tuesday. Sell, but just want you to remember us today on Giving Tuesday. It's twenty-one past. If you're going to think outside the box to find new customers, you can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. I'm Father Timothy Shear, and these are Biblical Impressions. The name Sophronius Eusebius Hieronymus is probably not familiar to you, but if I used his title, St. Jerome, you would immediately recognize him. St. Jerome was the one chiefly responsible for the Latin Vulgate that was the main translation of the Bible for many centuries is still cherished today. St. Jerome's Latin Vulgate was the first book published by the new technology of the printing press used by Johann Gutenberg. Like most Latin Bibles in those days, Gutenberg's printed Vulgate gave St. Jerome a prominent place. As an introduction to the entire book, it featured a letter written by Jerome to a friend in which he gives his readers an overview of the entire Bible. The Gutenberg Latin Bible also included many other letters by Jerome, which served as introduction to various parts of the Bible. St. Jerome does not have as prominent a place in Bibles today, but he is still remembered as one of the greatest Bible scholars of all time. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Timothy Shear. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us, whether you're listening on the radio, on the live stream, on the Sunrise Morning Show app, or if you're watching us on YouTube or via sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you so much for joining us on this Giving Tuesday. Marlon De La Torre joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show, Senior Senior Director of the Department of Evangelization for the Diocese of Columbus. He writes at knowingisdoing.org. Marlon, go Bucks. Any go Bucks. No matter what, right? 
it doesn't matter. We we will still march on. We persevere. We persevere that's right. indeed. It's okay. It's three years in a row, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm glad okay. we have each other on these right. on these right. mornings well, after well, we, <sighs> well, we, it, it is it is in preparation for Advent. I'll Indeed. Indeed. Right. <laughs> Advent. Yes. Advent, the topic of our discussion this morning. Mm. You know, we know that Advent is a, a season of preparation ahead mm-hmm. of Christmas. However, when you think about it, that doesn't quite make sense, does it? I mean, why would we need four weeks of prep to mm-hmm. celebrate mm-hmm. this one feast day that happened one day like 2,000 years ago, as momentous of a day mm-hmm. as that was. I mean, no doubt about it. Um, but mm-hmm. I think we need to mm-hmm. enhance our understanding here. What exactly are we preparing for during Advent? That's a great question. I think when you look at the the way the church has constructed itself liturgically and how our, our basic identity is is directed towards a, a divine being, something omnipotent, something wonderful. We, we look at Advent as that entryway to really place ourselves before the throne of our Lord and to really admire what he's done in bringing his son into the world. And so when you do that, th- there's an awe and wonder, but also there's a sense of, well, wait a minute, I, I need to prepare to receive him. And this is significant when, when you look at Advent or the dawning or the spawning of something new at this great uh, like manifestation of an event for us. And when you look at Advent, really it's a, it's a preparation for ourselves to uh, be receptive of the gift that God has given us in His Son. That means our awareness of ourselves, our intellect, our will, our mind, heart, and soul. Uh, are we properly disposed? Are we properly prepared to receive Him, to receive Him with joy? And that means sin. That means uh, what do we need to do to address our nature, our, our fallen nature? How do we uh, look at the opportunity to renounce or reject any uh, any sin because we, we are expecting something great? So in order to be expected of something beautiful, we can't have anything impede that. We can't have anything just get in the way of that. So we have to separate ourselves from, from that sinful nature that uh, that tends to dwell around us and prevents us from seeing just a true gift of the birth of our Lord. Well, let's dig into that a little bit more because a lot of people think that, you know, preparing for Christmas means putting up Christmas lights, getting your Christmas tree, mm-hmm. you know, decked out and, I don't know, finding your Christmas cookie cutters. <laughs> yeah. um, what is necessary in this process of preparation because Christ is coming for all of us mm-hmm. at the end of our lives, uh, mm-hmm. let alone the second coming um, at the end. So, so what goes into to this renunciation of sin? Well, first and foremost, that you love him more than your own sins. So to, to unpack that a little bit, it's when you look at this preparation for our Lord, we have to ask, ourselves, what is blocking me from loving him? What do I need to do to become aware more of my own faults, uh, even my own wounds that may get in, 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 in the way of, of, of embracing his love and really cherishing what he's done for us? So first and foremost, uh, a general examination of conscience. And what I mean by that for our listeners is really take yourself into a place where you can ask, what have I done to not be charitable to my own family, to my, my spouse, my children, my coworkers? What is there? What if there's something that is not allowing me to really forgive someone who needs forgiveness or serve someone in need? Uh, those are general examinants that you can do for yourself. Also, just what have I done to prepare prayerfully for the coming of our Lord? Is, is my proper disposition in prayer uh, strong? 
uh, even from a, a simple Our Father, Hail Mary, Glory Be, or 10, 15 minutes of silence, or mm-hmm. more importantly of all, even meditating on Scripture, Lectio Divina. And for our listeners, Lectio Divina is a basic process of contemplating, meditating, reading prayer, and really focusing on what the message of the gospel, for example, is telling us, say, in Matthew 25, or looking at the great uh, Luke 15 discourse of the prodigal son, for example. These are things that we can take to heart to see how can I prepare myself for the coming of our Lord, or even looking at Luke's gospel and the whole uh, narrative between Gabriel and Mary and welcoming mm-hmm. her and allowing her to say, well, she is the mother of God. These simple things are meant to really place ourselves before the anticipate, anticipatory coming of our Lord. Yeah, and even if the Lord doesn't come for us specifically uh, mm-hmm. in the next, you know, four, four and a half weeks, uh, how will all of this help us then better celebrate the birth of our newborn king on the feast of Christmas? Oh, great question. I think if, if of our listeners here, all of us are baptized, God willing, and we, we understand hopefully that baptism is the entryway. It, it is a confirmation of our faith to, to believe in God, to be a, a Trinitarian people. And if that grace of baptism continues to strengthen us and grow in us, then uh, Advent makes sense. But then beyond Advent, it makes even further sense because there, there is a an entrance to a finality, to a beginning. And what I mean by that is, as we wait for our Lord to come again, we anticipate His birth, but He will come again. In that in-between phase of our life, we are strengthening ourselves to seek that final coming or that seek that final destination. And, and that's what we hope for. That's what we uh, aspire for, is that our Lord in the end will bring us home, that we may be with Him in eternal happiness and eternal joy. And so that, for our listeners, should be really the uh, the awe and wonder and the desires like, yes, yes. That, that awaits for me, that that's what I so desire for my children, my wife, my family, friends, whoever, that that is the key for all this. We've been talking to Marlon De La Torre. You can find knowingisdoing.org linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Marlon, thank you so much and go Bucks. Thank you, Annie. Go Bucks. All right. It's half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Pope Francis continues to recover from flu-like symptoms over the weekend. The Holy See Press Director, Matteo Bruni, said yesterday... The Holy Father has no fever and is in a good, stable condition. He said in order to facilitate the Pope's recovery, some important engagements scheduled for the next few days have been postponed so that he can devote the necessary time and energy to them. Pope Francis did meet yesterday with the president of Paraguay. He's looking forward to a trip this weekend to the United Arab Emirates for the COP summit. Israel and Hamas have agreed to pause fighting for another two days. Trey Thomas reports. National Security Council spokesman It appears that soundbite is not going to work, so we will move on. The, the pause in fighting will happen for another two days for the release of hostages. And the last Latin patriarch of Jerusalem has applauded the ceasefire and the release of hostages so far, calling it a first step toward ending the war in the Holy Land. Cardinal Pierre Battista Pizzaballa said that said to Vatican News that even if displaced people want to return, this possibility does not exist currently in Gaza. He said, quote, Christians who are locked inside that small church compound 
can hardly take it anymore. But as long as there are no clear political perspectives or clarity about the next phases, this is still not possible and can also be dangerous, end quote. In other news, around 100 million people on the East Coast are facing freezing temperatures today as a cold front hits the region today and tomorrow. The National Weather Service says high temperatures are expected to be as much as 20 degrees below average in parts of the Midwest, the Great Lakes, and Ohio Valley, as well as areas of the East Coast. Parts of Texas and Florida are expected to be colder as well. Freezing temperatures in the 20s are expected in New York City with Washington, D.C., and Atlanta getting below freezing temperatures for the first time all year. A Catholic priest and missionary in Mali has been released after a year of being held hostage by al-Qaeda-linked militants. From Vatican Radio, Joseph Tollick reports. The German missionary Hans-Joachim Lora had been living in Mali for more than 30 years when he was kidnapped last November. Diplomatic and security sources attributed his disappearance to the al-Qaeda-linked Islam and Muslim support group. Now, however, he has been released. His freedom was apparently negotiated directly by the German government, which brought him straight back to the country on a special flight. The Vatican news agency Fides notes that the circumstances surrounding the freeing of Father Lora are not clear. Germany still has a military contingent in Mali as part of the UN peacekeeping mission MINUSMA. It will be phased out at the end of the year, as requested by the military, which took power in a coup in 2020. Father Laura's release, which occurred on Sunday evening, was announced by representative of the Malian government and by church officials, who spoke on condition of anonymity. In the course of his 30 years in Mali, Father Laura, known locally as Hayo, had worked at the country's Islamic Christian Formation Institute and been director of its Faith and Encounter Center. He was on his way to celebrate Mass for a community of religious sisters in Kalabankura when he disappeared. Father Laura is the second German to be released in the Sahel in less than a year, after aid worker Jörg Langer, who was kidnapped on the 11th of April 2018 in western Niger and released in December 2022. A number of foreign hostages, including a South African and an Italian couple with their son, are still being held in the region. They hope to soon join Father Laura in gaining their freedom. I'm Joseph Tullock. President Biden is rolling out new actions in an effort to strengthen U.S. supply chains. While speaking from the White House yesterday, Biden announced he launched a new council focused on ensuring supply chains remain secure and diversified. Other actions include the creation of an early warning system to spot supply chain risks and invoking the Defense Production Act to make more essential medicines in America and mitigate drug shortages. That's the news. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past the hour. The Got a coffee lover on your Christmas list this year? Give them the gift of Mystic Monk Coffee. The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of seasonal blends that would make for a great Christmas morning brew. And when you purchase it, after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you support the monks and the show. If your coffee lover is also a fan of the Sunrise Morning Show, pick up a mug or travel mug for them in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit. 
on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, Who is the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost is the third person of the Trinity. His true proper names are gift and love. The Holy Ghost is the gift of the Father to the Son and of the Son to the Father. The Father from all eternity gives himself to the Son and the Son from all eternity gives himself to the Father. This gift is so real, so palpable, so existent that it is a person, the Holy Spirit. And when God gives himself to us, it is through the Holy Spirit that he gives himself to us. And so the Holy Spirit is the eternal gift, and he is also love. Because when the Father gives, he gives out of love, and the Son, in response, gives love as well. That gift, that is the very person of love, the Holy Spirit. And this is why St. Paul says that the love of God has been poured into our hearts for those who know him. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. I'm Matt Swaim. Always great to catch up with Father Frank Donio from the Catholic Apostolate Center. We've got them linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. You're definitely going to want to link to them uh, because of today's conversation. Father Donio, good morning. Good morning, Matt. I'm really thrilled to talk to you about Advent resources for the Catholic Apostolate Center. I want to get into why it's so important for us to really be thinking about this stuff before Advent happens. But what do you have available um, on your Advent page through the Catholic Apostolate Center? Well, we have a whole—this uh, is one of our most—would you believe this is one of our most popular uh, pages, resources? I saw pages, it. I, I absolutely year, believe year it. Year <laughs> after year, because yeah. there's not a lot of resources out there. There's plenty of things for Lent, although that's one of our very popular pages as well. But our Advent and Christmas resources are really the ones that people also very much look for. And so we have uh, a guide to the liturgical season— um, so that people can make the most of it. Uh, and, and also we have activities for uh, youth and for young adults that are age appropriate. We have a number of recordings of the Sunrise Morning Show, but we also have Advent traditions and meanings, the meanings of those traditions. We have a number of prayers. We have a, a set of our blogs and an ebook uh, that were just around the Advent and Christmas seasons, but also a, a history of Advent, the symbols and customs of Advent. Too often, Advent just goes right by. Or, you know, when you see the use of an ad Advent wreath in popular culture these days, it's usually a thing that's just filled with gifts, which is a long-standing custom. Usually it was candy. But now it's, it's just all sorts of things that have nothing to do with faith, nothing to do with, yeah. with preparing for Christ. It's just give me more gifts. And it's I don't it's a totally a bad thing, but it, that unfortunately that's kind of the use now in popular culture of the of Advent wreath when we know that that custom, uh, which has kind of come into the church over time, is is really meant to be uh, a circle uh, so showing the evergreen is is eternal life. Um, the green is a symbol of hope. And then the candles, the purple, you know, symbolizes waiting. Also, there is some penance within Advent, which people don't necessarily think about. It's not as deep penitential season as, as Lent. 
And then the, the rose candle is, is symbolizing rejoicing. We're almost there, Gaudete Sunday, and, and moving us closer and closer to, uh, to the celebration of Christmas. But Advent has a dual piece here because it's about Christ coming at the end of time and also the celebration, the remembrance of Christmas. I think it's, it's both of those that we're waiting for. We're waiting for to celebrate the incarnation but also waiting for Christ to come at the end of time. And uh, if you've never put those two and two things together, go back and sing Joy to the World and think about the second coming, because yes. that's really you know, what those lyrics are pointing to. I just want to highlight a couple of the things that, that jumped out to me that I'm really excited about seeing. You have a, um, a, this whole document on Advent activities for youth and young adults, and I love how mm-hmm. you have it broken up uh, for ages 3 to 11, like here are good activities for that mm-hmm. age group. Here are good activities for 12 to 19, uh, 18 to 35, and so on and so forth. Um, because I, I think sometimes people are like, what is an Advent activity for kids? And yes, we, we sort of throw a blanket thing and like, you guys have done a good job uh, of really collecting some things that are uh, really targeted catechetically towards certain age groups yes. um, instead of just sort of broadly doing a kid activity. No, we we had we had people who are experts in uh, in in catechetics as well as experts in uh, education, just in general, uh, to take a look at this and to help us with this. But all, all of whom were, were faithful Catholics who would who wanted to help people become uh, really enter into this season because it's a season that can just just we could just go right through very quickly. And rather than taking the time in working over the years with college students, it's always at the time of finals. And so it, it, and and the end of the semester and going home for Christmas, all these kinds of things. And Advent can just go by uh, rather than it being a time of, of prayer, of preparation, of waiting, of deeper encounter with Christ our Lord. Yeah. You talk about in those young adult uh, activities, some uh, you know great times to try and inc- invite them to silence, uh, right? But silence yes. and community, uh, right? Yes. Uh, because what does finals do often but isolate people with their <laughs> yeah. with their own stress? I mean, it really is kind of a wild time for for young adults. But, but little yeah. kids love love Advent wreaths. You know, so like put put one together. You know, it doesn't take it's, it doesn't take a lot to put little. Put yeah, you one know what kid, little kids really love. They love when you put one in the middle of the dinner table and they get to yes. set something on fire every night. They <laughs> yes. love it. And 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 but there's an opportunity right there for prayer, for for focusing in on on Christ and and you know of course saying grace before meals, but also this this extra prayer time that really says, "Oh, this is a different it says to the kids, this is a different time." And, and we're and and why are we doing it? And what do these colors mean? And and what does this this uh, evergreen mean? All of these things, I think, are are ways in which we can help children enter into. And and the family can do this together. This is not something that you have to go to church and do. It's something that can be done, as you say, right on the dinner table. 
Well, and I love that, uh, you know, that's part of these categorical resources that you have. You also have, if anybody's interested in some of the psychology about this, wherever the age groups are broken out, you also talk a little bit about what stage of learning people are in different age groups and why these things work really well for different age groups. There's just a ton, I mean a ton of great stuff uh, on your website. Father Frank Donio, if our listeners want to connect with you and tap into all this stuff, which is, it's all free. Uh, how do they it's do It's all so? free. Just go to catholicapostolatecenter.org, scroll down on that page, and you'll see Advent Resources, and click right there. All right, and it's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. And uh, just so you know, we try and steer you towards as many free things as possible, but the only way that people are able to give you things for free is because somebody generous is behind them saying, we believe in this resource, and we want to make sure other people are able to get it for free. So that's my Giving Tuesday appeal for people like Father Frank Donio and the Catholic Apostolate Center. So if you want to generously support him so he can give free Advent stuff to other people, I would encourage you to do so. And if you want to support the Sunrise Morning Show so that we can continue to be free to anybody who's flipping through the channels, then uh, please consider a gift at sunrisemorningshow.com as well. Or all the wonderful things that surround you. I bet you there's some of you who have given almost nothing to your parish this year. Don't forget your parish on Giving Tuesday as well. I'm sure there's some incredible things going on that you don't even know about in your own parish community. We're back with headlines right after this. It's a quarter till. Support is for MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can save. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. Got a coffee lover on your Christmas list this year? Give them the gift of Mystic Monk Coffee. The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of seasonal blends that would make for a great Christmas morning brew. And when you purchase it, after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you support the monks and the show. If your coffee lover is also a fan of the Sunrise Morning Show, pick up a mug or travel mug for them in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. EWTN's Religious Catalog has terrific suggestions for Christmas gifts. Women Made New, Reflections on Adversity, Transformation, and Healing by Kristalina Everett features the captivating stories of 12 women who overcame personal trials to become champions for the kingdom of God. The Women Made New book and DVD set is one of many great Christmas gifts from EWTN Religious Catalog. For more, visit EWTNRC.com today. Thank you for joining us on this Tuesday, the 28th of November. Here's Anna with headlines. Israel and Hamas are agreeing to pause fighting for another two days. Meanwhile, the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem has applauded the ceasefire and the release of hostages so far, calling it a first step toward ending the war in the Holy Land. 
And Pope Francis continues to recover from flu-like symptoms over the weekend. Next newscast coming up at the top of the hour. Right now, it's 13 till. The Sunrise Morning Show continues as we come off of the Feast of Christ the King and head towards Advent. It's a good time to look at some of the liturgical translations that are in the mix here with Dr. Benjamin Lewis, Director of Translation Services for the International Commission on English in the Liturgy, known as ISIL. Dr. Benjamin Lewis, good morning. Doing well. How are you, Matt? I'm doing great. And uh, we just came off of the Feast of Christ the King, and you've been doing some really neat work in sort of pointing out um, that overlooked blurb that happens in the Mass, the Collect Prayer, right, which swaps out on big feast days. That's right. uh, You had some stuff to point out about the Collect for the Feast of Christ the King uh, that some of our listeners might not have noticed. That's right. So I want to just read to you the Collect Prayer, which you uh, you might have missed at the beginning of Mass yesterday. And um, I want to talk a little bit about tenses. I know we've talked before about tenses in these collect prayers, and sometimes you have a, a movement from past action to present request to future hope. Um, so I want to think a little bit about um, the tenses of the collect prayer for Christ the King Sunday. Almighty, ever-living God, whose will is to restore all things in your beloved Son, the king of the universe grant we pray that the whole creation set free from slavery may render your majesty service and ceaselessly proclaim your praise through our lord jesus christ your son who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the holy spirit god forever and ever all right so uh, we got a bunch of different things going on there, <laughs> and uh, we we actually, interestingly enough, uh, start out with some eschatology. So, uh, the at least in the English, the first thing is uh, the final goal, which is the restoration of all things in Christ, and then we sort of talk about ourselves a little bit. But how do these tenses play out in the Latin? Yeah, so I, I want to focus on just that first relative clause, uh, whose almighty ever-living God, whose will is to restore all things in your beloved Son. Uh, in English there, we have it as a present tense. God's will is to restore all things. But what's interesting is that in the Latin of the prayer, it's actually a perfect tense, voluisti. So it's God uh, he, you have willed to restore all things in your beloved son. But the interesting thing about Latin is uh, Latin has one, one tense uh, that where English would have two tenses. So Latin has a perfect tense, which we could translate as a simple past tense in English. So if you think of something like yesterday, I ate breakfast. That's a simple past uh, today, I have eaten breakfast. We could we could call that a, a present perfect. In Latin, there's just the one tense for both of those ideas. So when we see a perfect tense in Latin, we could translate it as a simple past, God willed to restore all things in Christ. Or we could translate it as a present perfect, he has willed to restore all things um, and so that it, frequently in, in liturgical texts, that present perfect sense is very much uh, to the fore in these prayers. So if you think about 
um, we're, we're commemorating liturgically uh, the fact that Christ not just was the king of the universe, but he is, he was and is and always will be the king of the universe. So we can sometimes kind of play with the tenses a little bit um, and, and treat this as a present perfect rather than a simple past tense. It's not just that God willed it once in the past and it's done with and, and, and that's the end of it. It's that it was his will and it is his will and it will continue to be his will for all time. Um, so we, we an earlier draft of this prayer we actually translated it as a present perfect. You have willed to restore all things in your beloved son. But then we, we pushed it even a little further to say, uh, oh, almighty ever living God, whose will is. Um, and we, we've kind of, we pushed it a little bit further into the present tense um, because I think we're on pretty firm theological grounds, right? God's will doesn't change. Uh, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he willed it in the past, he has willed it, and he is, it is his will. Um, so that's... Well, it, that's you're dealing with a... Well, you're dealing with a few different things. So his will is eternal, because he is eternal, <laughs> right? Right. And uh, in English, uh, this is a, is, is a state of being verb. And what is right. the first person uh, singular of the state of being verb, but am, right? Like, right. I am, <laughs> right? So whose will yeah. is. So just as he is, right, his will is. Uh, you know, I imagine that this is a little bit a little bit tricky and quirky when you're dealing with someone who is eternally in the present tense. Right, right. Yeah, so... so so we've got so we've got this sense that it's not just a past will but it's but it's something that continues into the present very cool what a neat insight uh this is again the colic prayer for christ the king sunday and as it stands currently translated almighty ever-living god whose will is to restore all things in your beloved son the king of the universe grant we pray that the whole creation set free from slavery may render your majesty service and ceaselessly proclaim your praise. I suppose we could have a whole other segment on what it means <laughs> for people to set free to then go and render service. <laughs> but that's yes, another question yeah. for another time. Dr. Lewis, if our listeners want to uh, find out more about you, and especially if they want to get the Divine Office hymnal, perhaps as a Christmas gift for somebody, how do they do so? Yeah, you can reach out to us on the web at icellweb.org, and the Divine Office hymnal is currently being published by GIA. Very cool. And it's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Lewis, thank you as always. Have a great day. Thank you, Matt. You too. All right, Anna Mitchell. Yes, Matt. Christmas gifts. There are lots of cool ones that I'm sure that people are hearing about here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Uh, next hour, we're going to point people towards a cool project on Formed um, that yes. teaches your kid to sort of draw their way through Advent. Uh, the goal is... To do a little something a little different than actually, happening on other I'm going to encourage people so. if you don't usually tune in to our video live stream to do so because the first interview of our next hour. Oh, are you going to have some uh, news, visual aids? Um, I have. I have a little visual. Bring some scarves. I'll give a little. I'll give a little preview. Oh, Can all you right, see that, Matt. You you looking at me? I see it. Yeah. So. I got a little preview of what Laura Streetman will be talking about with OutrageousMom.com, yeah, which is something aids. that I think folks will be In very... In connection to today's Feast of St. Catherine Labore and yes. the Miraculous Medal. So if you can't see it, that's your tease. Yeah. That's your tease. So, yeah, you want to tune in on the live stream if you can. Or, but you know, 
look at it later on YouTube. Indeed. But I say all this to say that the whole wide world is playing lots and lots of Christmas music, and uh, they are all all dialed in. Home Depot's been selling fake our Christmas local, trees since August. Our local Christian radio station here, which actually— They've already flipped the switch? My first job out of college was doing traffic reports for this station. I oh, mean, wow. I was doing a bunch of other stations in the city, but this was one of them. Um, while I was in my tenure with them, they they started as a way to like protest Halloween. They started they playing started Christmas, Christmas music, music on, Halloween, on Halloween, and then it was over. They were playing regular Christmas Christmas music on December twenty sixth. Have I told you about my background in uh, brief background in contemporary Christian radio? No, there's not much to tell, other than did you uh, have for- a song "Death Through Adam"? No, but no. I hosted a Friday night Christian punk and metal and alternative show on the local contemporary uh. Christian music station, which is an affiliate of, I believe, the same network that Brant is on. Oh, was wow. On. Wow. But yeah, I was the uh, Friday night after all the regular listeners go to bed, we played the weird stuff. So that was me. So you and I, we could have we run one of these things oh, back in the man. day together. Yeah. Here we are. Here we are doing on something Catholic we radio. could never have dreamed of. <laughs> it's so true. Another full hour coming up. It's three till. Arise, it's a new day. Hear his word. Let us pray. The sunrise morning show. It is Tuesday, the 28th of November. It's the Feast of St. Catherine Labore, connected with the Miraculous Medal. Let's pray the Memorare in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. St. Catherine Labore, pray for us. Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along on a Tuesday morning. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has the video feed up and running at sunrisemorningshow.com. In the show notes, you actually probably want to look today because Annie's got some visual aids to show um, in the studio. She'll be talking with Laura Streetman. And uh, Laura uh, is known to our local audience as uh, a person who has been a lifelong advocate for the sanctity of life uh, through her work with Right to Life and a few other things along the way. But she's also got this cool thing where she makes Catholic scarves. And uh, I'm not saying I'd wear one, but I'm saying they're cool because I'm not a lady, but they're very cool. Uh, It would make for... uh, some cool gift giving. Uh, also this hour, we're going to talk with Kim Kaminsky. She's got a program with Formed that will teach your kids how to draw their way 
through Advent, as it were. Uh, she's got some great art teacher stuff to share in relation to that. We'll also talk to Steve Ray about saints and holiness in the Bible. And Chris McGregor joins us as we continue our series with her on the Office of Readings. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past the hour. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Pope Francis continues to recover after suffering flu-like symptoms over the weekend. The Holy See Press Director, Matteo Bruni, said yesterday the Holy Father has no fever now and is in good, stable condition. He said in order to facilitate the Pope's recovery, some important engagements scheduled for the next few days have been postponed so that he can devote the necessary time and energy to them. The Holy Father did meet yesterday with the president of Paraguay. Vatican News reports the two focused on a number of issues of common interest, including peace, environmental issues, and fighting poverty. Israel and Hamas are agreeing to a ceasefire for another two days. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters that Hamas has agreed to release another 20 hostages over that time. Kirby said he believes less than 10 Americans are still being held by Hamas. The White House is calling for a longer pause to allow the release of all hostages. Hamas has released more than 50 of them, primarily women and children, while Israel has freed more than 100 Palestinian prisoners. The Custos of the Holy Land has applauded the ceasefire and has stressed that reconciliation requires recognizing the suffering of others. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. In the interview, Father Patton expressed his hope that the truce may continue to hold and that all the hostages held by Hamas may be released, underscoring the important role played by the international community, especially of the countries that mediated the agreement. He noted that the truce shows that a path other than that of weapons is possible if the will is there. The Custis went on to note that in the dramatic context of the war, the humanitarian aspect is essential. Without the comforting humanitarian voice, he said, we cannot move forward because everything is reduced to political calculation and the use of violence. Asked about the role of Christians in the conflict, Father Patton said they represent a bridge between Israelis and Palestinians and can propose a path not only of moderation but also towards a future reconciliation. He insisted that the important thing at the moment is that the truce holds also to allow the various international actors to continue working so as to move from a truce to an armistice and then to a lasting political solution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. There must be a solution that recognizes the right to existence of both peoples, in which each part recognizes the suffering of the other and also the dignity of that suffering, he said. Father Patton stressed the need for the international community and the world powers to support dialogue and accompany both Israeli and Palestinian political leaders to progressively change their approach. I am Lisa Zengarini. Former President Jimmy Carter is planning to attend the memorial service for his wife today despite being in hospice care. Services for former First Lady Rosalind Carter began yesterday as a wreath-laying ceremony at the Carter's alma mater, Georgia Southwestern State University, honored her work advocating for unpaid caregivers. 
Carter passed away at the age of 96 earlier this month. Around 100 million people on the East Coast are set to face freezing temperatures as a cold front hits the region tonight into tomorrow. Mark Mayfield has more. The National Weather Service says high temperatures are expected to be as much as 20 degrees below average in parts of the Midwest, Great Lakes and Ohio Valley, as well as areas of the East Coast. Parts of Texas and Florida are expected to be colder as well. Freezing temperatures in the 20s are expected in New York City, with Washington, D.C. and Atlanta getting below freezing temps for the first time all year. I'm Mark Mayfield. And Google is just days away from deleting inactive accounts. Beginning December 1st, Google will delete unattended accounts of all photos, calendar entries, emails, contacts, and drive documents. The company says it's an effort to protect users from security threats. According to Google's data experts, accounts with old or reused passwords are 10 times more likely to be compromised by hackers. To keep an account from being deleted, simply log into any of the Google tools like Gmail, Google Drive, Photos, or Play, changing the account password and enabling two-factor verification is recommended. Matt, I bet you have Google accounts that you don't even remember. I probably do. I'm more worried about my Hotmail, my (laughs) Angel Fire, my... uh, MySpace. I think my MySpace is long lagged. My Friendster's long gone. Oh, I never had. I never had MySpace or Friendster. Um, Mm. I my my still the email address that I my personal email address that I use. I got in college when Gmail like you had to sign up to be invited to Gmail, and then like I had to wait several weeks before. Google actually invited me to be an account. Those were the olden days. Those the olden days of the internet. I know. know, Anna Mitchell. I uh, I was on a website yesterday, Mm -hmm. and I was looking up some stuff. And uh, I don't even know if the person who runs this website is still with us. And if they are not, may their soul and the souls of the faithful depart through the mercy of God rest in peace. It was yes. an evangelical. Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. That was who had serious. written some, yeah. made some, some, some art featuring our Lord and like him, like being next to a welder. It was a very interesting, interesting. site. But I looked okay. at the bottom. I was like, this is an old website. It's got a hit counter at the bottom. Oh, like, you wow. remember when all the websites used to have hit counters wow. at the bottom? Wow. I was like, wow. That's incredible. That's how you know. That's how you know. Yeah. It's an old website. Incredible. Wow. We should put a hit counter at the uh, bottom of the Sunrise Morning Show webpage so, like, it'd be retro. Yeah. Hopefully, we get a lot of hits. We look like an odometer down there. Neat. That's awesome. Well, today is Tuesday, November the 28th, the Feast of St. Catherine Laboray. And here to talk about her is Laura Streetman. She is known to our Cincinnati audience as the executive director of Cincinnati Right to Life. But she's got a little side gig, I guess you could say, and it's called OutrageousMom.com. Laura, good morning. Good morning. Good to talk to you in our national hour today uh, for this feast of St. Catherine Laboray. And before we get to how she inspired you with outrageous mom just talk a little bit about her 19th century french saint how did her relationship with the blessed mother 
bring about the creation of the miraculous metal? Right. Well, as all saints have a story to tell, and St. Catherine, her life is very typical of that. She was the ninth of 11 children, and her mother passed away when she was eight. And it is known that the story is told through her family that Catherine stood on her tippy toes and looked at an image of Our Lady in their home and said, now, dear Blessed Mother, you will be my mother. Mm. And she led a very hardworking, holy childhood, and at 23, she joined the Daughters of Charity, which was an order founded by St. Vincent de Paul right there in Paris at Rue de Bac. And it, uh, it was in this convent that Mary would eventually appear to Our Lady in November of 1830 on three consecutive days. Wow. And so then how did the miraculous medal come about? Well, on the third night, Mary revealed the medal and told Catherine that she had this mission for her to spread this message throughout the world. And on apparitions before that, Annie, which was amazing, this is the only apparition, and I just find this fascinating, and I think we all should, the only known apparition of the blessed a saint actually touched Our Lady. Oh, wow. And Saint, I know, St. Catherine knelt at her knees, and the chair where this took place was an altar chair on the altar in the chapel at Rue de Banc, where you can go to visit, you can go and um, participate in the celebration of Mass there. And so, you know, St. Catherine's hands were holy, obviously, for this. But then on the third apparition, which we had the Feast of the Miraculous Medal yesterday right. on November 27th in 1830. Uh, that is when Mary then revealed the medal, the two-sided medal, to St. Catherine and asked her to have, and have this message spread throughout the entire world. Yes, and so that's when we say um, to pray for us who have recourse to thee when um, when when you hear that that coming from the the miraculous medal devotion, which um, the miraculous medal obviously uh, one of the I would say most popular for lack of a better word most popular medals that you see people have in their possession wearing it around their necks and having it on rosaries and and all kinds of things and I know the miraculous medal plays a huge part in OutrageousMom.com. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, Just a little bit about what Outrageous Mom is uh, for those who are not familiar, and then how the Miraculous Medal played a role in your creating this project. Well, as God takes everything in your life and then works it towards Him when you align your life Towards trying to reach for heaven, God took my retail background. Um, I worked for several female fashion brands, designers that actually told story through fabric. And after you know a huge spiritual encounter in my own life 17 years ago, and I was working in a and a mom at the same time, um, I just had the idea that wow, there aren't any unique Catholic fabrics. And I had a devotion to the Miraculous Medal. My grandparents on my father's side, they were both retired teachers and traveled to the chapel when they retired, and they shared the story with the grandchildren, and I was always fascinated by it. So as I loved wearing scarves, I would look for scarves that promoted our faith, and there just wasn't anything, so I figured out a way to have them created. I come up with the concepts of the designs and create a storyboard and 
have an artist create the fabrics for me and decided that on every single scarf that I sell that there would be a miraculous metal sewn on the hem. So when someone is wearing not only a really relevant fashion scarf, they are also receiving the graces that were promised by Our Lady um, when she said that anyone who wears this medal around her neck shall receive graces. And that is what Our Lady had said to St. Catherine in 1830 on November 27th. So that's really what inspired it. And I started out with a few designs. And as more and more people found out about the business, and um, I just decided to create lots of fabrics under of the many beautiful titles of Our Lady, but every single scarf has a miraculous medal on the hem. Yeah, and these are beautiful scarves. If you're watching the video live stream, I'm holding up one right now that has uh, the Sacred Heart and the Immaculate Heart um, all over it. A beautiful scarf here. I don't have the Miraculous Medal one, but you've got one that that is it's blue with the Miraculous Medal all over it. I mean, you can go, you can find Our Lady of Guadalupe. And then it's not just limited to scarves either, Laura. I was uh, looking through the website uh, earlier this morning and was like, oh my gosh, I got to get my hands on an Our Lady of Guadalupe rattle. Darling. I mean, talk about the artists that, that put these, that, that create these things for you. Right. Well, again, because of my retail background and then because of God, obviously, just inspiring this. If you go to the website, it'll lead you to the Etsy store where I have all of the items for the children. Annie, I particularly love the baby blankets. They're yes, made in America. They're and they, They're darling, and they have the miraculous metal all over them. So when your newborn um, is swaddled, they are wrapped in the metal, which in receiving the graces mm. from Our Lady and our baby bibs and the rattles and the, the artist who makes the rattles and the dolls for me has actually become quite a dear friend, and she's a Catholic woman in Vietnam that I had met in New York a number of years ago, and um, I begged and begged her for years to make dolls for me, and she finally did. And it's quite a story within itself how her faith has grown so deeply, making these handmade dolls and rattles for OutrageousMom.com that you can only get on our website so, so cute. Um, through our Etsy store. But another beautiful way to promote the faith and Our Lady and how she just wants to be so close to each one of us and provide her motherly protection to every single person in humanity. Yeah, a little bit of sneaky evangelization, too, if you uh, walk around town wearing one of these and uh, people may notice it and ask you about it, give you an opportunity to talk about the faith as well. We've been talking to Laura Streetman. You can find outrageousmom.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com or just search for it over at Etsy. It'll take you right there. Laura, it was so good to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. It's 17 past. We're back with headlines right after this. Laura Teach Me to Pray, the Ignatian Prayer Series, can now train you and others electronically to become facilitators and bring the Ignatian way of prayer to your parish. Come to know and love Jesus Christ like never before and help others do the same. Don't pass up the opportunity to join this work of the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. That's LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. I have been a school sister of Notre Dame for 72 years. Most senior Catholic sisters, brothers, and religious order priests serve for years with little pay. I always taught the primary grades, and I loved it. 
Today, hundreds of religious communities lack retirement funds. Your gift to the Retirement Fund for Religious helps provide medications and care. Please give to those who have given a lifetime. Thank you, and God bless you a hundredfold. Donate at your local parish. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The Catholic MomCast brings you all things faith, family, and fun from a Catholic perspective. From the latest news in our community to the latest trends in our homes and the church, you can hear Catholic MomCast as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates across the nation, all in one place, all free at EWTN Podcast Central. Visit EWTNRadio.net slash podcasts today. 19 minutes past the hour, here's Anna with headlines. Israel and Hamas are agreeing to a ceasefire for another two days. Pope Francis continues to recover from flu-like symptoms that he suffered over the weekend. And a Catholic priest and missionary in Mali has been released after a year of being held hostage by Al-Qaeda-linked militants. All right, news at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Anna Mitchell, uh, I hope people got to see some of those, those yeah, yeah. little scarves. I was trying to, I was like trying to find the metal in the in the scarf that I have here. So I just want to hold that up for the live stream because it's very small. It's not like it's going to weigh down your scarf. It may not even go it's like into a little tag focus there. on here. Yeah, it's, it's like, like a, a little tag, tiny little <laughs> miraculous metal. You want a funny miraculous metal story? A friend of mine at church told me uh, he knew a guy who was an evangelical but did some something to help organize something for Mother Teresa over here stateside. And when she came to visit this guy who was like a Presbyterian or something, uh, Mother Teresa was like, I'd like to meet that guy. And so uh, he's like, yeah, I'd love to meet Mother Teresa. And she's like, here, I want you to have these and handed him like a bag of miraculous medals. And he was on the horns of a dilemma. He's like, (laughs) I can't. Do I does the Southerner in me politely accept a gift, or does the Protestant in me recoil in horror at this bag of miraculous medals? And then he so became he the, Catholic, he right? He took the bag. He took the bag. Did Actually, become... I don't know how the story ended. Oh, but go, go for Mother <laughs> Teresa. Ryan, you up at the crack of dawn on Christmas morning? Make that experience more bearable by treating yourself to some Mystic Monk coffee. They have a number of Christmas blends available, and when you go to Mystic Monk Coffee through the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. Make Christmas morning even better by drinking your coffee with a Sunrise Morning Show mug, available in our online store. Browse our mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The Universal Prayer by Pope Clement XI. Lord, I believe in you, but let me believe more strongly. 
I hope in you, but let me hope more confidently. I love you, but let me love you more ardently. I adore you as my first beginning, I long for you as my last end, I praise you as my constant benefactor, I call upon you as my loving protector. Guide me by your wisdom, hold me by your justice, comfort me with your mercy, protect me with your power. I offer you, Lord, my thoughts, that they may be fixed on you, my words, that they may be about you, my actions, that they may be regulated by you, my sufferings, that they may be endured for you. Enlighten my mind, inflame my will, purify my heart, sanctify my soul. Grant that I may prepare for death, be concerned about judgment, flee from hell, and obtain paradise through Christ our Lord. Amen. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. We're joined now by Kim Kaminsky, a.k.a. Miss Kim. She's teaching a new Advent series with the Augustine Institute and Formed. It's called Drawing Closer to God. It is a Catholic art show for kids. Kim, good morning. Good morning. A beautiful morning. So I'm really excited about this because if you can't get your kids to pay attention to the rosary by just <laughs> saying the words, sometimes it just helps to put a picture up. I wonder if that's part of your thinking behind doing a Catholic art show for kids in relation to Advent. Absolutely. You are correct. Um, I'm so excited to be a part of this, being an artist myself, and realizing the impact of the visual, and how this actually becoming familiar with the stories in the Gospels and encountering Christ in a creative and intimate way. These children, are they're able to travel through the Nativity story with me. We're speaking about the traditions through our Catholic uh, storytelling through our Advent, uh, leading all the way up to Christmas, in the most beautiful way where these images become intimate into their hearts, burned into their mind through their own creativity. Pretty amazing. It is pretty amazing. And, you know, we got a lot of moms and dads and even homeschooling moms and dads who have found some really creative ways to do this sort of stuff. But, you know, you have a background as an elementary school art teacher. So when you're trying to get these kids to draw the stuff from these stories that shape really the whole trajectory of our entire Catholic faith. Like, what are some of the ways you try and um, guide them to put down on paper what might be in their minds and hearts regarding uh, the story of Christmas? Right. Um, you know, I've, I've been blessed to also work with homeschoolers for a number of years in our Catholic parish here, and um, having that firsthand experience of through the storytelling and then using uh, simple forms and shapes and talking about line and that not to be intimidated by the creative process and that everybody is created unique in God's image and likeness and that means that we're creators ourselves and to just go for it. Let, let the Holy Spirit flow through your hands, through your eyes, through your heart and put those images down on paper and uh, that they'll all be beautiful and unique from them. Um, that's kind of the kickoff point. And then as they go through and grow through the different techniques, um, along with the imagery and colors and what we're expressing, it changes. They grow, they learn, and can be really proud of their pieces. It's a wonderful process to go through. I have found, and I'm sure you found this over the years, that how a kid draws stuff is a very fascinating window into how that kid looks at the world. <laughs> Uh, ah, absolutely. Uh, for, for a number of different reasons, um, not just the way that boys and girls look at the world differently and the things mm -hmm. that I could tell my son, draw a picture of the nativity. He'd be like, 
uh, here's a picture of, you know, the massacre of the innocents. I'm like, no, no, that's not what I meant. Right. Like you, you, there, there are different things that people key in kids key in on even kids who, uh, you know, are perhaps on a various point in the spectrum. I, I mean, when you're, you, you obviously are not sitting in the room with all the families who are trying this, but what would you say to the families who are going to try and be part of this, uh, series you're doing this, um, drawing closer mm-hmm. to God series to help them kind of encourage what it is that's coming out of their kid when they draw something that the parent is like, oh, what uh, is that? Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, exactly what you were referring to. If, um, uh, let them, let them be them at this point in their life, uh, where God is putting those seeds of inspiration into their minds and hearts are exactly where they are. I mean, they're pure, they're innocent, and it's the most beautiful images that come out of them and what they receive from the story themselves, how does it touch them as a learning for us adults? And I'll tell you, as, as a parent myself, I, I really wish I had this for my children. And I did draw and paint with them. <clears throat> but, you know, busyness of life. And this, this calls you to stop, to pull to the side, to do something together as a family. Or watch them and let them have their images revealed right in front of them. And if it is intimidating, the nice thing is we have a little link at the bottom of the page where the younger ones or even parents who may not want to draw along can print it off and color along and experience this together as the story builds through the six-part series. Um, so it's a wonderful thing to share and, and to sit back and, and let them just be who they are at this moment and reveal that story. Yeah, I uh, think that there was at one point... You know, my son drawing a Christmas story with like Jesus shooting lasers out of his hands. Like in some ways, like th- this, this does at least, I mean, kids, kids have insane imaginations. As a matter of fact, I mean, there's, there've been lots of like really smart theologians who've reflected on like this question of what does it mean to wonder? And a lot of us kind of get in the grind and we forget about that part of it. We forget right. about the wonder part of the Christmas story. And we think about like the, the party planning and the scheduling and the, you know, how do I oh. make sure that my kids are properly like catechized or, or whatever it is? Like, how would yeah. you maybe encourage, uh, just with a moment left here, uh, parents to use <laughs> your program to kind of re-engage the whole family in the wonder of Advent? Um, that that is such a big part of my own creativity is letting letting that wonder um, come come into your heart, and I I really would inspire everybody to allow that uh, they're becoming a part of the story again, and this is a gift through our mind, through our heart through our souls that, you know, these images do set into our hearts. And art pulls us deeper into the powerful beauty of the story. And that beauty is something that, you know, Pope John Paul always refers to is, um, you know, it awakens something in us, and it's par- participating in God's creative power. So it's it's something to look forward to, to cherish. Um, it's, it's a new kind of a revelation for the family to experience. And as we put up our nativity, how beautiful that is to do with our family and put baby Jesus in there at Christmas. It's, it's like that gift that opens up and reveals in front of you. So there's an exciting aspect of it that we can um, promote with our family and, and really enjoy together and enter into our, our Christmas in a deeper way through Advent. Well, thanks so much, Kim Kaminsky. We've got uh, that linked so you can get straight to Formed and their Advent resources and Kim Kaminsky's drawing program for kids. Uh, it's sunrisemorningshow.com. And you know what? I don't think that they I don't think that they card you. I think if you're a grown person, you could probably do some of this stuff for fun on your own. I won't tell. But let's move from cynicism back to wonder this Advent season. It is half past the hour. Here's Anna with news. 
Good morning. Pope Francis continues to recover from suffering flu-like symptoms over the weekend. The Holy See press director, Matteo Bruni, said yesterday the Holy Father has no fever now and is in good, stable condition. He said, quote, in order to facilitate the Pope's recovery, some important engagements scheduled for the next few days have been postponed so that he can devote the necessary time and energy to them. Pope Francis did meet yesterday with the president of Paraguay, and he's scheduled to go to the United Arab Emirates this weekend for the COP28 summit. Israel and Hamas are agreeing to pause fighting for another two days. Trey Thomas reports. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters Hamas has agreed to release another 20 hostages over that time. This humanitarian pause has already brought a halt to the fighting together with a surge of humanitarian assistance. Kirby said he believes less than 10 Americans are still being held by the militant group. The White House is calling for a longer pause to allow the release of all hostages. I'm Trey Thomas. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem has applauded the ceasefire and the release of hostages so far. He's called it a first step toward ending the war in the Holy Land. Cardinal Pierre Battista Pizzaballa told Vatican News that even if displaced people want to return to their homes in Gaza, which have been destroyed, this possibility does not exist currently. He said, quote, Christians who are locked inside that small church compound can hardly take it anymore. But as long as there are no clear political perspectives or clarity about the next phases, this is still not possible and can also be dangerous, end quote. A Catholic priest and missionary in Mali has been released after a year of being held hostage by al-Qaeda-linked militants. From Vatican Radio, Joseph Tollick reports. The German missionary Hans-Joachim Lora had been living in Mali for more than 30 years when he was kidnapped last November. Diplomatic and security sources attributed his disappearance to the al-Qaeda-linked Islam and Muslim support group. Now, however, he has been released. His freedom was apparently negotiated directly by the German government, which brought him straight back to the country on a special flight. The Vatican news agency Fides notes that the circumstances surrounding the freeing of Father Loga are not clear. Germany still has a military contingent in Mali as part of the UN peacekeeping mission in MINUSMA. It will be phased out at the end of the year, as requested by the military, which took power in a coup in 2020. Father Laura's release, which occurred on Sunday evening, was announced by representative of the Malian government and by church officials, who spoke on condition of anonymity. In the course of his 30 years in Mali, Father Laura, known locally as Hayo, had worked at the country's Islamic Christian Formation Institute and been director of its Faith and Encounter Center. He was on his way to celebrate Mass for a community of religious sisters in Kalabankura when he disappeared. Father Laura is the second German to be released in the Sahel in less than a year, after aid worker Jörg Langer, who was kidnapped on the 11th of April 2018 in western Niger and released in December 2022. A number of foreign hostages, including a South African and an Italian couple with their son, are still being held in the region. They hope to soon join Father Laura in gaining their freedom. I'm Joseph Tullock. Around 100 million people on the East Coast are set to face freezing temperatures as a cold front hits the region tonight into tomorrow. The National Weather Service says high temperatures are expected to be as much as 20 degrees below average in parts of the Midwest, the Great Lakes, and the Ohio Valley, as well as parts of the East Coast. Parts of Texas and Florida are expected to be colder as well. Freezing temperatures in the 20s are expected in New York City, with Washington, D.C. and Atlanta getting below freezing temperatures for the first time this year. 
Former First Lady Rosalind Carter is lying in repose at the Jimmy Carter Presidential Library in Atlanta. The family has invited members of the public to pay their respects. Former President Jimmy Carter is planning to attend the memorial service for his wife. He's reportedly in Atlanta after traveling from his hospice care to take part. And President Biden is rolling out new actions in an effort to strengthen U.S. supply chains. Speaking from the White House yesterday, Biden announced he launched a new council focused on ensuring supply chains remain secure and diversified. Other actions include the creation of an early warning system to spot supply chain risks and invoking the Defense Production Act to make more essential medicines in America to mitigate drug shortages. That's the news. It's 35. Got a coffee lover on your Christmas list this year? Give them the gift of Mystic Monk Coffee. The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of seasonal blends that would make for a great Christmas morning brew. And when you purchase it, after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you support the monks and the show. If your coffee lover is also a fan of the Sunrise Morning Show, pick up a mug or travel mug for them in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Hello, I'm Father Timothy Shear. And these are Biblical Impressions. We all know that Paul was from Tarsus, but what kind of city was Tarsus? We may think of it as a small, insignificant place, but in fact, it was the capital of a Roman province. Since the days of Pompey, it had become a metropolis where the governor resided. It was in Tarsus that that famous pair Cleopatra and Mark Anthony gave a number of banquets during the construction of their fleet. Some 60 years before our Lord's birth, the citizens of Tarsus were granted Roman citizenship. Tarsus was a civil and a religious center. It had palaces, marketplaces, roads, bridges, baths, fountains and waterworks, a gymnasium, and a stadium. Tarsus was also a port and a shipyard, and some Roman emperors were laid to rest in Tarsus. But none of this would have mattered to Paul. He was serving the kingdom of heaven. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Timothy Shear. The Sunrise Morning Show continues as we get closer and closer to Advent. Be sure to keep Catholic Radio on the dial for a refreshing alternative to whatever else is going on in other media outlets. We'll get you into Advent. We'll get you. We'll set the scene. We'll set the stage for you. Steve Ray now joining us from CatholicConvert.com. Steve, good morning. Good morning, St. Matt. It's always good to talk to you on Tuesday mornings. So normally I would reject a title like that, but in the context of today's conversation, <laughs> I will accept it as part of the one good. holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. But where do we begin this conversation about holiness and saints in the Bible? Well, first of all, the uh, word holy and saint are pretty much the same word. In Hebrew, it's kadosh. 
And in the New Testament Greek, it's hagios. In fact, anytime you see icons of the saints, you'll see the Greek hagios paulos or hagio petros. So kadosh and hagios, and they're used 850 plus times in the Old Testament, 233 times in the New Testament, that word. So holy and saint is a very important word, over a thousand times mentioned in the Bible. And it means two things. This is important. If nothing we get out today is that the word holy means two things, and holy, a saint with a capital S and a small s, in my estimation. Okay, so the word holy can mean two different things. One, it means sinless, perfection, free from any moral evil. That is what holiness is. However, it has a second meaning, to be set apart for sacred purposes, or separation, a separation from that which is not holy or, or worldly or that type of thing. So <clears throat> when we call the Pope Holy Father, we're not saying that he's sinless. I had a guy one time charge it. You call the Holy uh, Father, the Pope Holy Father, but he's not sinless. He's a sinner too. Yes, that's true. Holy Father here does not mean sinless. It means someone who is set apart for a sacred service. So this is the two different meanings of the word holy. And when you read it in the New Testament, the word saint, it could also be translated holy ones, holy ones or saint. They're both synonymous. Yeah, set apart. And I think this is a really important thing because it helps make sense of a commandment that might otherwise raise an eyebrow, which is to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, but feel free to sin on the other six days. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, unless you have that set apart sense, yeah. you don't really understand yeah. what it means for the Sabbath to be kept holy. Right. Like the Ark of the Covenant. It's the holy Ark. But an Ark doesn't have a soul or a will, so it can't sin. So there's no way a holy Ark can be sinless, but it can be set apart and sanctified for a uh, sacred purpose. Now, the other thing I wanted to make sure that we got in today is, whole, and, and I have come up with these two categories myself, I think, but saint with a capital S and saint with a small s. The, the way I div, uh, discern those or, or distinguish them is that saint with a capital S is those who are canonized as saints who the church has already discerned and declared to be in the presence of God. So St. Athanasius, St. Ambrose, St. Uh, uh, John of Vienne, all of these are saints with a capital S because the church has made the pronouncement that they are, we know, in the presence of God, and therefore they are sinless and set apart altogether. So that's a capital S. Now, the every time that the Bible uses the word saint, though, virtually every time, I'd say, is with a small s, and that means to be sanctified or set apart for divine service. And un interestingly enough, it's referring with a, with a small s saint 61 times in the New Testament, and it's always referring to us on the earth, not to people in heaven. In fact, I couldn't find any place in the Bible where saint was referring to someone who's already in heaven. There may be a couple in Revelation, but I don't think so. There, the word saint is actually referring to us down here. For example, in Acts 9, and Peter went there, was among them all. He came down to the saints who lived in Lydia. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, greetings to all the saints who are in Philippi. That's why I said Saint Matt. It's nice to meet you today. Because all of us who are called by Jesus Christ and intending to live the life that he's called us to, he has called us to be saints, to be set apart, apart from the world, 
called out from the world. That's what ecclesia means. The word church is ecclesia in the Bible. And we're called apart and set apart for God. Therefore, we're saints with a cat with a small s. Yeah, there is. Uh, yeah, it's it's fascinating to think about. So I, as you were mentioning this, I, all I could think of is, you know, fast forward to the, the, well, he does this in Ephesians as well. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, he says in verse one, by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. You know, you tell me the folks in Ephesus didn't sin? No, he's obviously got a different use of the word saints that he means there. These are the people who've been set apart, uh, who have been, you know, a, a holy priesthood, right? A royal nation uh, that God has right. a specific kind of purpose for. Um, yes, and I think and I think in the church we use the word saint always, pretty much always, we're using the word saint for those who are canonized by the church as saints already in heaven. And we don't use the word for those of us who are here on the earth. We call ourselves believers or Christians or something like that. But in the scriptures, the Bible is always refers to saints as us here on the earth. So I, want, I wanted to just get that clear so that we can have a proper understanding of the word saint and we know both usages of it. Indeed, indeed. Uh, so I found one saints thing, and I was just trying to verify it here. If people saw me like flipping frantically through a Bible uh, that refers to dead people, and it's actually in Matthew chapter twenty-seven, and you're going to know where this is. Yeah, this is the yep. crucifixion of Jesus, and there's different translations. Uh, sometimes it says holy, uh, sometimes it says saints. Uh, many of the bodies of the saints which slept arose and appeared to some people. Uh, what a mysterious passage. Who in the world knows <laughs> what in the world was going on with that? But it is the one instance right. that came to mind when I was thinking about uh, a, a, an instance of someone being referred to as a saint who was not currently, you know, part of like the church of Ephesus or something. Right. And also we should remember that the Old Testament characters are also considered saints. Like, for example, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, King David, all of these are saints. And in the Eastern Church, they're referred to as Saint Moses, Saint Elijah. And um, even in Matthew 8, 11, Jesus canonizes them as saints with a capital S. He says that many will come from East and West and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. So they're already in heaven. You can recline and feast with them up there. And the Catechism, people can check it out, paragraph 61, says that these Old Testament saints are always honored as as um, saints in the Catholic Church. Indeed. So, lots of things to talk about. It's a very interesting topic. Saints it is a very interesting holiness. topic. Holiness. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, again, anybody, anybody who is in heaven is a saint. Uh, and so yes. we've got to, uh, we got to aspire to that. We have been set apart, right? We're saints in that first sense through our baptism, and our goal is to be saints in that second sense, right? That holy, right. sinless so we're all, beatitude. We're all saints with a small s who have been called by Christ to live and serve him, and we are saints with a small s striving to be saints with a capital S and stand in the presence of God. And it's been nice talking with you, St. Matt and uh, St. Annie <laughs> here this morning. Well, it's a great topic as we come off the Feast of Christ the King, where we see sort of the culmination of the reign of Christ, you know, and if we have served with him, we shall reign with him, right, in the kingdom right. with all the saints. So yep. a fantastic thing to reflect upon, and especially as we head towards Advent, where the whole cycle starts back over again and reminds us, you know, that this king that calls us to sainthood started small <laughs> in this world, yep. just like we did. 
So, Steve Ray, we've got CatholicConvert.com linked at SunriseMorningShow.com. Have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. God bless. All right. It's quarter till. Chris McGregor joins us next. Support is for MediShare. Let's see. If something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into. And that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month. And that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. Are you expecting the kids to wake you up at the crack of dawn on Christmas morning? Make that experience more bearable by treating yourself to some Mystic Monk coffee. They have a number of Christmas blends available, and when you go to Mystic Monk Coffee through the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. Make Christmas morning even better by drinking your coffee with a Sunrise Morning Show mug, available in our online store. Browse our mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Proclaiming the faith, changing lives. The year was 1984. Mother Angelica Live is the only religious program nominated for an award for cable excellence. Later in the year, she wins a Gabriel Personal Achievement Award from Catholic broadcasters and communicators. To learn more about Mother Angelica's life and the history of EWTN, visit EWTN.com slash Mother Angelica. Twelve Till, here's Anna with headlines. Israel and Hamas, excuse me, let's get my throat in order here. Israel and Hamas are agreeing to pause fighting for another two days to release more hostages. Pope Francis continues to recover from flu-like symptoms over the weekend, and a Catholic priest and missionary in Mali has been released after a year of being held hostage by Al-Qaeda-linked militants. Deo gratias. You can hear news at the top and bottom of each hour right here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Chris McGregor from DiscerningHearts.com. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Anne. How are you? How are you? I am doing fine. Whoa, what is going on here? I'd say hang up and call her back. Yeah. Paul, hang up and call her back. That was crazy. <laughs> I think wow. maybe she's on the other line, Paul. Is that perhaps what's going on here? I don't wow. know. Wow. This is anyway, troubleshooting in the moment. My troubleshooting goodness. in the moment. You know, she usually joins us via an internet link. And, you know, even though she's in Omaha, you know what, Anna Mitchell? Like I just want to invoke in this studio. year's word of the year, according to Merriam Webster authentic. Authentic. You know, an AI generated <laughs> show would have glossed that over or a less real. Morning. We are authentic. Zoo routine would have been horrified by this. We are but authentic. But to us, it's just Chris here. McGregor having a phone issue. That's well, no, that usually happens when her microphone is connected to us. 
but she's also on the phone, you get that weird like feedback loop. Like it's uh bizarre. Like a seventies space villain vibe. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Authentic. Authentic. Chris McGregor is real, ladies and That's gentlemen. Right. Welcome to live radio, folks. <laughs> right. This is what exactly. happened. <laughs> Chris, good morning. Good morning. Well, you see, that's the unexpected happens. You have yep. to be prepared, right? Backup Absolutely. Plan. Always have to be prepared, which is uh, an important lesson for us all as we approach Advent, for sure. And our selection this week from the Office of Readings is, uh, well, we are in the final week of Ordinary Time, and uh, this selection is a zinger attributed to St. Macarius, Macarius, who is he? Um, potato, potato. I mean, really. <laughs> I, you know, to be honest with you, I, I believe it's Macarius. Macarius, and, he, and also known as Macarius the Great. He's from uh, Egypt, uh, venerated by so many. One of the great desert fathers of the mm. fourth century, and he has given us a, a selection that. I think that second paragraph, Anna, I think is one of my all, right up there, top ten. It is so beautiful and uh, in its reflection. Well, tell us a little bit. I call this a zinger because, I mean, he does not mince words about what sin does to a soul, especially unaddressed, unrepentant sin. So tell us about what he has to say here. Well, he gives us a, a relatable image, right? Mm-hmm. He says, when a house has no master living in it, it becomes dark, vile, contemptible, choked with filth, disgusting refuse. It's, if you've ever seen those programs, Life After People, <laughs> you see what happens to buildings. <laughs> what happened within 10 years, hopefully everything is falling apart. Because yep. there's no one to maintain it, no one to, to cultivate it, nobody to care for it. So he says, so too is a soul which has lost its master, who once rejoiced with the angels inside the soul. Now it's darkened with sin. It desires are degraded, and it knows nothing but shame. Mm. Uh, it's powerful. And then he goes on to talk. Again, he gives us another image that we understand. He says, my path is not walked on. And, and no voices of men. You know, man is in the forest. So all the, deer, all the animals are going to say, no man is there. For then it becomes the haunt of wild animals. He says, woe to the soul if the Lord does not walk within it to banish with his voice, with the Lord's voice, the spiritual beast of sin. Powerful imagery. It is so powerful. And one of the things that came to mind as, as I began reading this passage, which starts with, um, with the uh, the story of God allowing the Jews in Jerusalem to be overtaken uh, by the enemy, you know, alluding to the the Babylonian exile, I believe. Um, it it reminded me. I think it's is it Saint Augustine who said, "God will not save us without us." Mm-hmm. I mean, like basically, he's not going to force us to love him. Because we wouldn't be free if we did, but this is what can come about from it. But what is so beautiful at the end, after you're, you know, kind of wallowing in this 
wow, this is what sin can do to my soul if I if I don't repent of it, if I don't seek the Lord and ask his forgiveness. Uh, he says, this is all why Christ came. And, and an image that I had never thought about is using the cross as a plow to till the soil of mankind to prepare for him. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. I mean, he, he brings in this imagery of the farmer who prepares to till the soil. He, he must put on clothing, use tools that are suitable. So Christ, our heavenly king, came to till the soil of mankind, devastated, okay, racked by sin. So he assumed the body, put on the clothes, became man, and using that cross of his plowshare, cultivated the barren soul of man. He removed the thorns and the thistles, which are the evil spirits, and pulled up the weeds of sin, and then cast them into the fire. Mm. Absolutely stunning. Yeah, and it says at the end here, and when he had plowed the soul with the wood of the cross, he planted in it a most lovely garden of the spirit that could produce for its Lord and God the sweetest and most pleasant fruit of every kind. And this image of the garden of the soul, that's a, that's huge for, for someone like St. John of the Cross, is it not? It's, it so is. I mean, this is... Uh... The, what you see in Macarius, and one of the reasons why they call him the Great, and, and we're now in our time getting to know these wonderful uh, desert fathers of the Church because of translations and our understanding, they laid those seeds, that future saints that, that had that golden mm-hmm. cord of the Holy Spirit that um, breaks open the importance of teaching us to open the door. This is what Advent's going to be all about. It's about preparing, tilling the soil, getting ready to receive that infant Christ within us so that we don't have to be walking along the path that, um, it, that wild beasts can come at us, that we don't have to live in a house or a cult that is empty and scary. And Christ can be there with us. Can be so many, so many images that we can use um, just based on what St. Macarius had to say in this selection from the Office of Readings for this week to help us better understand what it means to prepare for the coming of our Lord, not just in the manger 2,000 years ago, but uh, in our own lives, because Christ will be coming for all of us at some point. Um, sooner or later. And so uh, great words by St. Macarius. We've been talking to Chris McGregor and you can find discerninghearts.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Chris, thank you. That'll do it for this edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. God bless.